King Kasim. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to my house. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is this? It's pretty awesome, hey? Um, to be able to do this at home. Apologies for the cats running around and uh, the birds screeching in the background, <laughs> but uh, I hope I hope we can make it work. I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. I love the I love the cats. I okay. love the bird. Okay, <laughs> I, I believe you you checked it out on Instagram. The the bird and the cat having and a little bit of a, a set to you. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. All right. So let's let's chat. Um, this is the beginning of what I'm hoping are going to be very very many podcasts that we're mm-hmm. going to do, um, and I'm super excited about this. I really really am. And I'm hoping that, like, along the journey, you're going to be partnering with me as well. I I, I think so, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Just think so. put it I'm out there it. from I'm the start, it. absolutely. I'm digging it. Okay, cool. So let's go, well, let's start off with where your journey began. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know the story, but yeah. not everybody else does. <laughs> Why don't you tell us sort of how it all began? Where did King Kasim begin? Start. Man, so before there was a King Kasim, there was there was Shaul Baby, Baby Boy, Boy. Pullman. Mm. Yeah, so I was born Shaul uh, Pullman. I'm the youngest of five kids, and my mom and dad. Um, from I mean, I grew up in I grew up in retreat. My dad's from Simonstown. My mom's from uh, Heathfield, Deep River area, and um, but yeah, we we I was born in Twelfth Avenue. And so that was where I spent most most of my the beginning of my life. But my mom and dad are both musical. My mom's a singer. My dad was a singer slash drama. Um, and so I think music really is just in me. Mm. Um, my brother, my older brother, was a DJ, and you know, in, into that old vibe. My sisters, we the whole family sings. We all used to get get together and sing in the house um, since I was man. One, I remember. <laughs> I remember these things happening. I have vivid memories from about the age of three, four years old, uh, where most people um, don't remember those things. Um, I remember. I remember that. Um, I've got a photographic memory, so certain things are just cool. like click, 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 and then I'm like, okay, I remember this, and I can tell people things, and they're like, whoa, wait, I don't remember that. I'm like, wait, you were wearing this, this, and this, and they go. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, the photographic memory—that's a thing. It's it's a thing, and and I'm very fortunate, especially being a musician. So, I'm I'm you know I can look at what we're doing. I can look at what the song is. I can read the lyrics, and then just go click. Okay, let's let's go. Um, I think now, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> like, whoa, there's, there's memories. There's a bit of clutter uh, up there. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit backed up. It needs to be defragged. <laughs> Oh man! I mean, th- th- I've actually never met anybody with uh, a, a photographic memory before. I mean, I know it exists, yes. but that that's pretty cool. So, um, does that work with sort of being able to pick up um, how, what something sounds like and play it immediately? Um, yes and no. Look, it takes me takes me a couple of t- uh, a couple of times with with doing that, but in for most cases, yes. That's a l- the reason why I got into so much trouble at school. Um, I- especially in music because my teacher would put a piece in front of me but I would have heard it already so now I'm not reading I'm just playing oh and right. then she <laughs> back. I mean I grew up in a time when corporal punishment was still allowed oh yes so I used to get whacked over the hands I mean I had one teacher throw a piano lid on my hands um, while wow. I was playing 
Well, so you can break your fingers. Though. Exactly. <laughs> and did it? Um, no, it didn't. Okay. Uh, but my dad, I think my dad broke his face. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so, you know, s- s- stuff like that. So uh, it does, it does come in handy. I th- you know what the funny thing is? I wish so many times, like for the life of me, when it came to exams for school, computer said no. What? I, just <laughs> I was actually thinking, you know, because I mean, we'll we'll talk about it later. But you you were also um, you were also. I, I'm I'm wondering whether to bring this up now or talk about <laughs> it later. You see, because this is the problem when you know so much. But um, later on, we'll get onto the, the tough time you had when you moved overseas. Yes, but you were still. Doing school at the time, yes. and I'm wondering if the photographic memory <laughs> played a role there. Kicked in. I think you know um, that whole. I think it's a case of survival. So you know, Cape Townians, and I say Cape Townians because I'm super patriotic, but I'm I'm a copy in in through and through. And Cape Townians have this thing where, especially from the coloured Cape Flats, you know, communities where. Um, if I don't make it here, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. So we do anything we have to do to get where we need to be. So the hustle is is real. And the hustle is strong. So I didn't have a choice. You know, you had no choice but to make this work. Mm. Um, the fact that my mom took me took me to the UK and, you know, did all of these things for me to have a better life. There was no way I was going to let them down. Mm. So regardless of what was going on, I mean, my mom never knew I was staying on the street until I came back to South Africa and actually sat down with her and told her this. Because wow. she used to call me and she's like, where are you? I was like, I'm walking. <laughs> and she always says, I'd, I'd call you and I'd just hear, I'm walking here, <laughs> I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And that's but what I was, you know, yeah. I, I was doing, I was always hustling, always looking for, where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Um, so, yeah, the hustle the hustle was real, you know. And so with when it comes to school, I really applied myself um, as much as I could then um, and got much better grades. And Knowing I was that's going to lead to something. You know, and so I got, I got a lot. My grades were, were mad. Like I went from being a C-minus student in, in South Africa to being an A-plus student in the UK. Wow. Um, so for me, that is like... That that speaks volumes for, mm. you know what what we are capable of doing, mm. um, if you just tap into it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you know, you went from a musical family. Where did you actually start, uh, sort of physically playing music and singing? Yeah. Was it school? Was it um, you know later in life? So I started, uh, a lot of people go, um, when did you start? So I started singing and playing piano at the age of five. Mm. But really got involved. And the first time I sang in front of an audience, I was nine. And that was 1992. Okay. Um, so I always go back to my career starting at, at nine, which is why um, this year or with, with Furu Sakura, the album, we celebrated 30 years. Yes. Um, because th- it's, it's been 30 years since I stepped on a stage and started doing what I do. Um, so let's say nine years old. Okay. And, um, my very first, you know, actual in, I used to sing in church with, um, with my family and, and, and everyone I was part of the church choir. But then at school, 
at primary school, I joined the, the choir there, and we did loads of like loads of choir things. And through that, I did my first production at at the Nicomalan, yeah, Nicomalan at that time, K-Pab, <laughs> um, uh, a production called Orphans of Kumbu. So that's really where it started. Okay, and then fast forward like 1997. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, it's 25 years ago. <laughs> just, just let that sink in for a second. But that's kind of um, where you first started your travels. Yes. So 97, my dad passed. And um, so, man, 97 such a crazy roller coaster of a year for me. Um, my dad passed. There was no warning. I saw him today and he was gone, you know, the next day. My sister was preparing to leave for the UK to do that two-year working holiday, blah, blah, blah. Nice. And so she was flying out and we had set everything up for her to leave on that day. And then with the news of my dad passing, um, we had his funeral in the morning Um in, into the afternoon and straight from the funeral we left um, went home got my sister's stuff and took it to the airport so it was a very rough you mm. know day time um, yeah and the June school holidays that came my sister said um, I want you to come to England and I was like I want to come to England so um, yeah June holidays went over to London and um I mean, to spend time with her and and actually the the friends that my mom's family friends or family friends that I knew she had flew she had come over when my dad passed um, also like a couple of months later with her son Thomas and Tom and I are the same age or well, I think I'm slightly older than him and then Tom I took him to school with me yeah took him to Weinberg I was like dude you can come check out this school <laughs> and he was like what is this <laughs> <laughs> and then when I went there he was like dude you have to come to my school and come check this out so I went to SJB I checked it out and I fell in love with the school and everything so when I came back to Cape Town I said to my mom I want to go to the UK mm-hmm. I want to go to the UK I want to go to school in the UK and she was like no, we can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. And eventually, I think I nagged enough um, to be able to, you know. To so when did you go. actually leave to go back? So you looking at about 99? Okay. 99, yeah. In the 98, 99. Okay, cool. So then you're, you're heading to the UK. Um, and your mom went with you. My mom to, went with to, to just help you settle in. Help me settle in. And then things kind of went downhill from there. Yeah. What, what, so what <laughs> happened there? So it's, it's, such a, it's such a crazy story because I was actually talking to my brother about this yesterday. Um, and um, so we got there. For the longest time, she's been saying, look, come out. Come out. Come hang. Come, come to school here. You can love here. You can be able to tell him my mom, look. Let him come here, change his life and all of these things. And we're like, okay, great. Mm. Let's do it. So we fly over. We get there. Two, three days into it, my mom takes me to school. We settle into the school. We go shopping. We get all the school stuff. And you know what I need. And we're going into winter, so prepping. Yeah. So we come home that night and she goes, listen, um, I don't think this is going to work. And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? Like, My mom's like, what? 
until this day, I'll never, b- uh, and it's exactly what I said to my brother yesterday. I don't know what happened mm. in that time. I'd like to know. Yeah. I mean, she's been to she's been to Cape Town since, and I've seen her. Um, Did you ask? No, <laughs> but I want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I do want to because my mom. You know, I'm raised old school, man, and my mom's like proper old school. So you were never going to ask her, mm. even if she came here. And I was like, "What? How can you?" <laughs> anyway, yeah. I would want. I'd like to know what changed. Was it me? Was it something I did? Because if I remember, I think I was a pretty good kid. Um, and yeah, those things, I, I, I'll never understand it. But anyway, we ended up, I ended up not being able to stay with her. So, okay. so what we did was we went to the YMCA. We went to churches. We went to, you know, people trying to find a place to stay. YMCA wouldn't help me because it wasn't English. Um churches tried but i had, i had made two friends at school so my um chris and richard santiago they um mixed um trinidad and canadian i think the mom's english canadian or whatever okay. so but um so i told him the situation and then they went home i went home that evening and we were sat together and they called and they said where are you i was like i'm at home with my mom and come to our house, like our, our parents want to speak to you, our dad wants to speak to you. So we went to the house and their dad, Michael, and, and their mom, but Michael, man, like what a dude, like what a man. He he was this thick Trinidadian accent that I'll never, yeah, ever forget. <laughs> I'll never forget it I for as long as accent. I live. I love that <laughs> accent. But now imagine, like he's, he, they're like, dude, you're going to stay here. We're going to set you up here. You can stay here. We'll make space for you until we figure out what we can do. And um, I remember Michael distinctly had a bit of a lisp. Okay. A little bit. Excuse me. And he'd wake me up in the morning. Hey, Charles, boy, it's time to get up, man. It's time for school. <laughs> and I'll never, that, that voice in my head is there forever. Yeah. But this dude, man, he took me in. He didn't know me. Yeah. Knew nothing about me. Knew nothing about my life. But he was so willing to help, you know, so willing to, to help me become, you know, better. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll always, always remember him. And Chris and Richard, I mean, we're still friends today. Um, and they, they have a younger sister, Olivia. And, um, yeah, that, that really changed, changed things. But as time went on, um, we were going into Christmas and Michael had family coming over from Trinidad to stay with him. Mm. And then um, he said to me, look, you're going to have to figure something out because the family's coming and we don't have the space. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have to go back to South Africa. Um, he said to me, that or seek asylum. And I was like, I'm not going to seek asylum. I want to go back to South Africa at some point, yeah. you know. Um, still your home. Y- you know what I mean? Mm. So I wasn't going to do that. So... I said to them, they, he was on me, and, and I said to him, don't stress, like, I, I'm figuring something out, I'll make a plan, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and eventually I just went, okay, I'm good. I got a space, but um, it's not very, you know, but can you, can I leave some of my stuff here? So I left my big suitcase with them, and I took, like, a tog bag and my backpack with some stuff in it. 
But and you didn't have a place. I didn't have a place. So I you just didn't want to be an inconvenience <laughs> to them. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I, I was at EDV for so long and they mm. were they were amazing. I, I, I said, yeah, I'm good. And then I left. And I looked. Man, I, I hit up churches. I went back to the YMCA. I, at this point, my mom was gone. Yeah. So because she thought, well, you're, you're safe. and you Exactly. Know. And he was going to try and help me. So um, she, yeah, she thought, you know, we're good. I just got to keep her in the loop and whatever. And then my family tried to run fundraisers and stuff. Yeah, I remember uh, to try and make money and, and send me some money. But, man, the rent to the pound was nothing. <laughs> you know, so it didn't <laughs> Wow. I, now, I remember that. And then um, what happened was I was walk- still looking, still looking, and eventually walked through the park. And I used to walk through this park every day. And then I clocked the spot that was close to where the like the public toilets were there was a bench and like some trees coming over and i was like actually that's not a bad place to stay (laughs) and um and so that that park bench became my my bed you know and my 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 safe spot for a while man it was um day in day out i lose count um until i figured out a plan Mm. Um, which was walking down the street and smoking past chameleon and hearing this guy sing. And then I was like, man, I can sing better than this dude. This is in Surrey. In Surrey, in Woking. Yeah. So, I mean, at the park I lived in was Woking Park. Yeah, okay. So I'm walking walking down and I'm like, man, I I can sing better than this dude. So I walk into the club and I'm like, there's a manager here and the guy says to me, what's your business? And um, I went, entertainment. And so this little guy comes out, Chris. He's <laughs> like, hey, bruv. And I was like, look. Hello, bruv. I sing. This is what I do, you know. And he goes, you reckon you can sing better than that? And I was like, yeah. So he said, come tonight and come come check it out. So that evening I went. I always, man, for the life of me, always had suits. There was always a suit in my bag. Mm. So um, popped on a suit. Went through, got on stage, asked me what song I was, Maria Maria. And, um, and I, you know, I say Maria Maria. I love that song. And so up until today, I still, when I hear that song, it takes me back to that moment. Um, and then I did Maria Maria halfway through. Guy looks at me, he winks. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I, got, I, this in the, this. I got this in the bag. I'm nailing this. So I finished and he said to me, when can you start? And um, I got a gig there two, three times a week. Um, made pretty good money for you know for a Cape Town boy from my my two hundred and fifty rand gigs here. <laughs> grab a granny at this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's really where it where it all started for me. Like started taking off mm. through that time. Um, I met I met Craig David, um, because a friend of mine's dad. Um, owned this radio station Eagle FM or something like that down south and um, he had an interview with Craig and I was fortunate to be there at the time and he was doing Born to Do It so um, and and for those who don't know I mean um, that's where like seven days came from and yeah walking away walking away and all of that Mm -hmm. I remember how huge that song was I had so many memories of walking (laughs) away it's just insane when people request it I cannot not play it yeah that song and then a song that really really 
triggers all all of those memories for me from the time in Woking, from that park, from everything to the smell of of Christmas in in Sari in Woking. Um, if I close my eyes when I hear the song, it's um, Coldplay. Yellow. Um, no, it's not yellow. It's oh, uh, uh, colorblind. Um, Shivers. No. Off the off the parachutes album. That album. I will definitely get it it's because it's I know that album very well. Ah oh man, I can't get it now. It's gone. But that it song should be behind you there somewhere. <laughs> see, they spun a web for me. Yes. No. They spun a web for me. That song. Yes. Dude, that song. It's gonna bother me now, man. Oh my god, I I absolutely love that song. Yeah, the memory of that song for me is like what it takes me back to. I had a girlfriend who used to babysit, and every time she babysat, this family would say, "Oh no, Talimi, can we come over?" Blah blah blah, and they would leave, and we put the kids to bed. And we chill on the couch watching MTV Base, mm. eating pizza and stuff. And <laughs> I, I have it. I have this memory of, man. You must understand that at this point, I was still living on the street. Okay. So when they said come over, I was like, yeah, I'm coming, <laughs> I'm coming. Um, and they'd get us pizza. We'd hang, chill on the couch, and I remember this moment. Of waking up, hearing the song, because I fell asleep on the couch, hearing the song and waking up, and just laying there looking at the video, I, it's like if I think about it now, dude, I get goosebumps. goosebumps. It's like that that song takes me back there. Yeah. Trouble, trouble, <laughs> and yeah. I was in a world of it, <laughs> it, which is which is quite quite weird. And you know, it is so weird. I've always said whenever I hear that song, I've always said mentally. I pictured a little dog um, from like uh, from like a movie, like uh, "Look Who's Talking" or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's that would have worked so well for a scene where the dog is like shunned outside and he's looking through a glass window <laughs> and he's cold. And, and <laughs> whenever I hear that song, that's it reminds think. me mentally of that image. And Excuse me. And in a is. weird, in a weird way, there's the image, dude. You were that it's little there. puppy. <laughs> there. There's the image. Wow, uh, man, it's 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 crazy. But yeah, that's that's what that song means to me. And so from there, um, coming back to South Africa, I was back here 2001 in the study. I studied music at Prompt, where there was Claire Phillips. There was uh, Brendan Adams. There was Lex. Who else is there? Um, Gino, um, uh, Black Current, Dylan, Sean Johannes. Um, we were we were a different breed, no. And and uh, B Super Dan. Super Dan was born at Brown. Mm-hmm, you okay. know, so we that generation. Um, made a lot of the times I think we were ahead of our time. I remember playing Super Dan at UCT Radio. Yeah. Um, like the song for me that always, um, if sunshine was here every day, who'd hesitate to come this way? That 
time for me was, you know, amazing. I mean, Lex Lex um, was the vocalist for, for Super Dan. And then, um, and then I left. And at that moment, I moved to, to Bali. And B, Brendan Adams, he moved to Austria. And, and there was no more Super Dan. And wha- what year was this? 2000 and... Trying to work out the time. 2004. Mm. 2004. Okay. 2003. 03, 03, 04. 04. Yeah. And then, and that was it. I got to Bali and everything changed. I was no longer a jazz, soulful, I wear my suit and sing to you, serenade you type of guy. I, um, <laughs> the, our band was basically a singing version of the Chippendales. Right. Okay. So they took me, <laughs> <laughs> threw me in gym. Yeah. I was gymming twice a day. Whoa. I had dance rehearsals twice a day. I, um, they changed my whole everything. And my agent, when he when he got me at at the airport, and he's Greek, um, Joseph, man, crazy guy. He picks me up at the airport. <laughs> he looks at me. He goes, sure, sure. And he didn't say my name, and he just looked at me and said, baby boy. I'm going to call you baby boy. Oh, wow. And and it stuck. It never left. And everyone he introduced me to along the way from the airport to to our, our villa was this baby boy, man. This baby mm. boy. Um, and we got on stage and fire. Just like my everything changed. I was no longer just that, that singer. I did R&B, funk, pop, rock, everything. They changed me. They... Even made me rap. And I mean, I love rap. But I, I never consider myself a rapper. Mm. But I can take anything and, and do it. Right? If I hear it, I'm, I can mimic it. So that was my thing. That's what I did. So Shukru um, was the band. And we toured everywhere. From Bali, whole Indonesia. So Bali, Jakarta, Surabaya, uh, Batam. Uh, all of these little places, Singapore, Japan, Malaysia, Thailand, um, China, uh, Korea, if, and just the whole, you know, Southeast Asia. And and we blew up during that time, but we did mad, mad stuff. You know, we um, did the whole silk robes, boxer shorts, freak me, baby. <laughs> that whole thing we did. Um, we did. Is, is, uh, was it was it Velcro pants? Yes, it no, was Velcro no pants. Ways. It was Velcro <laughs> pants. Velcro, dude. We that show was so cool. Like, I, I if I think about it today, I was like, Would I you said, do it again? I would. Because <laughs> Obert's Obert's gone. Uh, Obert's gone pretty big. He he's back in Colombia now. But Obert, myself, Gustavo, I think is back. I think he's in the UK. Um, Mikey passed away in a plane crash in Thailand like a good couple of years ago now. Um, and Mikey was my like my, my one of my closest friends. Mikey, he was American from Ohio and he, um, Mikey taught me how to dance because okay. Mikey was a dancer. Michael Falcone was a serious dancer. Um, and he taught me how to dance. And I was he like part of Shokro too? He was. Okay. So, um, but the band, we kind of m- mixed with different people, yeah. but the f- the core the core members at that time was 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 Obi myself and Izat, 
who was a Singaporean guy. And um, and then the back line was predominantly Colombian. It was mm. Javier uh, Barabosa on keys, uh, Luis Barabosa, he was his brother. Um, on drums, we had Reds. Reds is originally James Brown's drummer. Wow. So Reds is an old wow. black dude from Philly, old school funk, like, you know, proper. So it was great working with him. BB was on guitar. He's a killer, a killer guitarist from Indonesia. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, that was the band. Amazing. <laughs> and did they all like take their clothes off? <laughs> <laughs> the front line. The front, the front line. line. So okay. it was myself, Obert, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I so, so what you're telling me is, is, is the back line during... <laughs> During a show, just see ass in front of them. Yep, that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much how it was, man. I'll never forget that first time. Obert said, "Drop everything," and I said, "No." He said, "Dude, if you don't drop everything, you might as well go home." Wow. And I was like, "Is this what I've become? <laughs> Is this what I signed up for?" But, but it you was know what? We, we once in a lifetime experience. You know what I mean? And we had like a sea. I I I, I honestly a sea of women. Mm. Because they come to watch that kind from of stuff, yeah. the front of the stage, <laughs> like this, yes. right? They were here, all the way to the back, like a sea of women, and the guys hated us. The 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 men, the men hated us. We had security on our floor. We it was crazy, yeah, absolutely crazy. But good times, absolutely. The I would like to say the the big breakthrough for you uh macau yes so from is there that where you went you went from there to, to macau, to macau. Oh, yeah. so we were and it was just by chance because i actually what happened my last like my last couple of months of sugar i got sick i got a vital infection from eating street food in indo mm. which i loved um and i got something yeah, attached itself to my stomach lining. Like started a parasite. eating my stomach Ooh. lining. It was bad. And, um, they wanted to send me to Singapore because apparently Singapore has like the best health doctors and stuff. And I was like, nah, I want to go home. Send me home. Send me to Cape Town. I'm not mm. going anywhere where people don't speak what I speak. Um, so they sent me home. I came home for a bit. And I was still healing up when my agent called me and said, look, I need a favor. Um, one of the other bands who are in in Surabaya at the time are about to lose lose their contract. So it's I need to send someone there to save this. And um, and I said to him, okay, cool, I'll come. And he says, when can you come? I said, I'll come tomorrow. So um, we I flew out. It's funny because I flew out, landed in Indo. There was an issue. They super corrupt. So dude was like pay me money, I'll let you in, because I got all the visas, everything, and I was like, no, I'm not paying you money, and he was like, okay, fine, put you back on a plane, they sent me to Malaysia, and when I got to Malaysia, I was like, I've got no money on me, I've got no phone to call my agent to tell him what's going on, and just by chance, now, I don't know if you know Lou Chase, yes, so Lou and I also went to prom together, and Lou and I, you, you know, Lou's like my sister, yeah. so, a couple of years prior Iridium to Iridium Project, Lose Control. Exactly. Yeah. So, Lou was again in Cape Town. My agent said to me, I need a female version of you. And I said to him, I've got one. And I hooked him up with Lou and we brought Lou over to Bali. 
and Lou stayed in Bali with another band, some same type of vibe. And she 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 was the front the front person for that band. And at that moment in KL Airport, I'm chilling like this against the side of a wall. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I see this Afro bopping past me, and I go, Lou, and she goes, Yo. What's up? No. She's getting on that flight that I just came in on from Cape Town. What? She's flying home. I said, Lou, I need help. Da, 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 da. And Lou helped me out. And I called my agent. And n- like 10 minutes later, I hear an announcement uh, for my name. Come to gate seven. You boarding now, boarding now. And then I ran to that, flew to Bali. My agent was there. And yeah, this was history, dude. I went to Surabaya fix things with that band. But this is the thing. They shot a demo with me, but I wasn't part of that band. I was just there for that period of time. Hmm. And they sent that demo to Macau. When the gig in Macau happened, they were like, but we want him to be part of the band. So I said to Billy at the time, I was like, dude, I'm not doing this. Like, I got to go back to Shokru because we're getting up for the next round. Um, And he's like, please, dude, like we... We got the gig, but we need you to be part of the band. So I said, okay, cool. Tell you what, I'll do a month and then I'll do a backdoor boogie and then I'm out and you guys continue. Okay, great. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. So that's what we did. But man, on my first night there, I met my ex-wife, who is now my ex-wife, my Mm. first wife. And um, I never left. Wow. So, and then, yeah, the story, the story continues. <laughs> how did, how long did you stay in Macau then? Man, you're looking, you're looking at about 13, 14, about 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. My, yeah, it's a long, it was a long time. 14 years, I think. Hmm. I think it's about 14 years. Okay. Because Zoe and I were, I think we were married for about eight years, nine years. Hmm. So something like that. Tell me about um, your experience with Nelly, because that <laughs> that is a story I love, <laughs> and I would love you to tell that story because I can't tell it like you do, man. So later on, as time went on, obviously in Macau, I was still being an artist, but I had started Baby Boy Entertainment, um, which then uh, moved into more of. Um, running the actual events, booking artists, um, bringing, putting the whole thing together for, um, for the casinos, for the clubs and those type of things. But the cool thing about doing that was how I, how I positioned myself was, yes, I run this company and yes, I've got a face for it, but this company has an artist. So Baby Boy was fortunate enough to open up for everybody that I brought in. Nice. So that was my... In. You know what I mean? That was my in. So... We brought Nelly in, the initial agent that had, not the agent that booked him, but the connection that booked him initially, had no idea about technical riders or anything like that. And with my background in sound, it was, I was like, dude, this is what I do. Send me the tech ride, I'll, I'll sort it out. So I went through a list, I was like, we got X, Y, Z in Macau, because Macau has certain things, and if not, like, we have to bring them over from Hong Kong. Mm. I mean, I got a direct in with Shure, that side, and some of the big, excuse me, bigger companies. And so um, it was. I was able to then get, um, let's say, a uh, t- at that time like a TF a TF three or a TF five desk or you know those type of stuff, like simple stuff. Um, and then 
I was dealing with Nissan Stewart, who is his MD. Mm-hmm. If you know Nissan Stewart, he's a big MD and drama for like everybody. So then Nissan and I spoke and he was like, dude, you've got this? Like, no, 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 no stress. We can give you these things. So they come in and Nissan comes to me and he's just like, yo, bro, thank you so much. This and that, whatever. And Nali comes to sound check and he's like, yo, what's up, Charles? You good? Da, 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 whatever. So we chat and it was Nali, it was Paul Wall, it was Johnny Dang, the guy who makes all the grills. I mean, Paul Wall and Johnny Dang have that song, Grills, Grills. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get your grills? Like those gets. So I got the in for the St. Louis, the Missouri, Texas yes. vibe. And um, and that was it. Uh, from there, Nelly was like, yo, come over to St. Louis and let's, you know, let's hang that side. So, um, well, you was know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. I was like, no, 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 I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah. So Nally was flying the night of the show or the next morning. He was flying home to St. Louis and I was flying to Cape Town. And we, we, we were sitting at the airport in Hong Kong and then he was like, yo, um, please pull through. We having this thing at the end of the month. Um, I'd really like to have you there. And I was like, okay, cool. So I flew to Cape Town, came to hang for a little bit with my mom and my family because I was you know I worked a lot work, life was there so I was able to come to Cape Town maybe once a year or once every two years I'd come see my family um, but it wasn't long it was usually like seven seven days or, mm. or ten days i try and squeeze that in but um, sometimes you just couldn't but flying back from here going there um, in my return we were doing chingy. Remember chingy? Yes. So one we were call doing away in that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So we were doing chingy um, at that, over that weekend. Also from St. Louis, mm. you know? So it was chingy, it was Dre, it was uh, Nitty, and um, I'm missing one other person, Rich. I think it's Rich. He was there. So then I took care of them. We were hanging everything. They flew back. And chingy said, you got to come to STL. So now all these guys in St. Louis are going, dude, when are you coming? I'm going, month end, I'm in St. Louis. So end of the month comes, Nali has this big black and white ball, I'm there. Myself and my, my at that time, my business partner, friend, Faye, we go over, I'll never forget it because we still stayed, stayed in New York and then, and then went off to St. Louis like later because there was a problem with our flights. But it was minus 14 degrees outside. Yeah. And everyone was like, this is cold. And I'm like, have you slept in snow? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm going outside to have a smoke. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so we, land, we land in St. Louis. And Nandi comes to the hotel. We hang out. We have dinner and everything. And so this event happens. It was Johnny Gill. It was Nali. It was all of the St. Lunatics. It was... You know the, the St. Louis baseball team, the Cardinals? Mm-hmm. It was them. It was the whole football team, St. Louis football team. It was Cardinals, everybody. And Nandy comes over to me, and I'm like, dude, this dude looks familiar. And it's Jermaine Dupree. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Nandy goes, yo, baby boy, this is Jermaine. Jermaine is baby boy. He's from, he's from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> from Africa, man. <laughs> So Jermaine's like, yo, what's up? Bah, bah, bah. And we started talking. And that, for me, that moment right there is, is 
the part that changes my whole life, my whole career, my whole everything, and the circles that, you know, that now intertwine and, and, and mix. And then from that, it's just, there's Jermaine, there's Usher. Um, I mean, I toured with Adam Lambert, you know, I sang backing vocals for Adam Lambert. So every little circle, there's yeah. like, um, what what is it? Two, four, three degrees of separation. What's it? I forget. Isn't it six? Six degrees? <laughs> Something. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that, you know, you have this and I'm going, this is mad. But so the evening closes off and we leave and Ali says, Yo, you're rolling with us, right? Yeah, 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 sure. So he's scared of flying. I'm scared of flying. And he's got a tour bus. I wish I had a tour bus, but okay. So he gets, he, he's got a tour bus. We get on. We sitting on the bus. Um, he he sat at the back. Um, Ali, um, I don't know if you know the Saint Louis uh, Saint Lunatics. Ali's the big the big tall one, and Ali whips out the back, excuse me, and starts rolling. And he he gives it to Nali, and Nali lights up, takes takes a puff or two, and passes it to me. And I'm like, I take it. And at that moment, do you understand, Nali? Nali, <laughs> light it up and take a puff. Pass it to me now. It's like, you know, um, Nali just gave me. He just <laughs> passed me the joint. Mm. You know, if you wanna go and take a, a ride, ride with me, me. smoke a L <laughs> in the back of the Benzie. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and it took me straight back to the UK to Chris and Richard, and that whole time when that's what we listened to. Yeah. You know, country grammar that whole mm. time. And um, it's literally on my Spotify playlist <laughs> right now. I promise. <laughs> I promise it's there. You can go and check it out. So I'll say this is one of the few songs where even the radio edit sounds cool. Yeah, exactly. The way it's put together. Yeah. It's, it's um, you know, those, those, I, it's crazy because I mean, now I've been back in Cape Town for, for so long. This is the longest I've ever been in South Africa in years. Yeah. Um, Probably since you were a teenager. Yeah, it's it's mad. Mm. Um, it, it's weird, but I don't, it's like I love being home. Mm. Um, I've been able to spend a lot of time with my family, a lot of time with my mom, um, and 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 yeah, my brother and, and people. But um, I do miss it. Mm. You know, I mean, now it's life is it's so different. I've got three kids. Um, I've got an amazing wife. I don't tour like I used to, so um, my unit is tight. And um, it's 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 a big, big change, but I do miss those days. I mean, just the other day I was speaking to Brandon. Um, Brandon called me and he was like, yo, dude, you know, I want to come to Cape Town. And we were talking about doing this just before COVID. Mm. Like, literally, we were looking at doing it just before COVID, and then COVID hit, and I was like, shit, we got to change. Yeah. Um, but I mean, guys like Brandon, um, these people, all these people that I'm, I'm now friends with. Yeah. And these, these are people that I, that I grew up, you know, watching, wanting to be like. Yes. Um, Keith Martin, another one who, mm. who became one of my closest friends. Um, I mean, funny story about Keith was I was, I, I was on stage. I took a break. I came off and this guy comes up to me, says, yo, dude, like props on on how you sing and and i was like wow thank you like i appreciate that 
So we chat for a bit, and um, I go to the bar, and I'm like, you, you want a drink? He's like, oh, sure, whatever. So I get him a drink, and the two of us are standing there talking. And we have this whole conversation for like 45 minutes. And I've got to go back on stage. So I'm like, dude, like, nice meeting you, mm. you know? And he says, ah, nice meeting you too. And I said, I'm uh, Charles, baby boy. And he goes, I'm Keith, Keith Martin. <laughs> and I walk away. Um, so I turn Did around I and I say, correctly? Did you just say Keith Martin? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll never find someone like you, Keith Martin. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you mad? Yeah. Dude, I went, up, I went back on stage and I called him up to sing with me. And we did we did damage. Like we did um, Boys to Men, End of the Road and something else. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll show you some videos next time. But um, Keith and I became very good friends. We wrote together. Um, we produced together. We did a lot of stuff. And Keith was living in Indo and back and forth between Indo and Manila because um, he's, he's got a kid in Manila. And so, um, but begin a couple of months ago, um, I mean, we were back and forth. We were actually working on something right now, like, mm. you know, and I got the call from, I don't know if you remember the band, you remember the group As Yet? Yes. So, Oh, I forget his name now, but he reaches out to me and he's like, yo, have you heard from Keith? And I'm like, no. Um, I actually messaged him like a few days ago and tried calling, it's just ringing. Um, well, what happened was Keith had passed and, and no one knew. Mm. And I got the call to say, he had, you know, he had passed. That that killed me. So um, guys like Keith, man, artists like that from from back then. I mean, Keith, Keith is o he's an OG in mm. production, in vocals and... I did a song with him uh, that I wrote for my daughter. And I called him. I was like, yo, I'm going into a session um, later today. Uh, and I booked a studio in, in Jakarta. And he was like, I'm coming. So he pulled through. He spoke me through my vocal, my delivery. And to have your hero. You must understand. When I was at Weinberg High, singing, I sang, I'll never find someone like you mm. on that stage in Weinberg High. Today, I'm in the studio. This guy's telling me how to sing yeah. what I just wrote. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's amazing. Surreal. It's surreal. It's, it's amazing. It's like, man, you, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. You know what I mean? See, sometimes when I speak to people, I'm like, yo, this is... And they go, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy talking smack, you know? Um, like, like... <laughs> You know, Reds, Henry Brown, H.B. Wild, um, all of these cats. And I surround myself with a lot of old school because I'm, I'm old school like that. Mm. So old school, funky, you know, real Philly guys. H.B., he, H.B. Is, is also from the 80s. He had like quite a big couple of hits. Um, and he is Jimi Hendrix's cousin. Oh, wow. So it's, it's just like, yes. you know. And the circle gets bigger. <laughs> the circle gets bigger. <laughs> that type of vibe. Very, very cool. So what do you actually tell people when you when when you meet them about what you do? Man, you know what my running joke is, right? Uh -huh. My running joke is um I'm in the I'm in the entertainment industry. Uh -huh. Okay, cool. I'm 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 in the adult entertainment industry. And then they, they step back and they go, What do you mean? And I go, <laughs> Pornography. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I do porn. Oh, 
so you like so no i'm behind the scenes like i'll look at her and i'm like yo dude you can you just get in there <laughs> <laughs> and i try and let it go my wife always comes in rush will always come in and just go he's joking he's joking because so, i said that shit i yeah. said it to my to my my daughter's teacher at school um but yeah man look what are you gonna say people people always like when you were around new people and you meet a lot of people not a, nobody knows or not a lot of people know who i am and the confusion always comes with am i charlo am i Carson? Mm. so um you meet people and like hey how you doing Carson uh, or charlo or um they don't know me i'm a lot of times i get man you've got a really familiar face and i say yeah i'm just one of those people um but it is it is quite like it's gray it's a gray area is there a catch 22 between sort of talking to people about what you do and uh or about your history at least and and bragging De- is is there is there no, is there a catch 22 De- between those definitely, two definitely definitely look it's hard because now you go and i have that again i i always give reference to my wife because rush when i first came back to cape town rush interviewed me Mm. You know, she used to work for a radio station, so she was like, boom, boom, boom. Um, and later on in life, like, just going in our relationship, it's so difficult. And she always, she's always there egging me on going, you have to tell your story. You have to tell people who you are. Mm. You know, you're not bragging. But I'm like, yo, but it feels like you're bragging. It's like, that's someone else recent. And to prove my point, just recently I had a conversation with someone and I dropped this in and they said, are you flexing? And I was like, okay, and that and that yeah. for me was my thing. Is but that kind of gets to you, and it, it kind of hurts <laughs> you, like because you think to yourself, like, um, but I didn't, I didn't come to you, and and I'm now telling you, I want to tell you about myself. You know you what asked. I mean? Exactly, exactly. Um, so so I, yeah. so yeah, that's so that's where that's definitely a catch twenty two because you want to tell people who you are and what you do. Um, I want to be able to you, to also get recognition for the time I put in for what I've done. But generally, it's going to be more exciting than what they do. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, man. So, yeah, I'll just keep buying the chicken yeah. and listen to your story. Yeah. Um, you know, because I enjoy buying. But so I'm I'm the designated buy master. But it's like, oh, uh, we got to have you over for a bride then. No, it's a, it's <laughs> a must. Deal. It's a must. But then we, I listen to conversations and. Usually, Rush or, or like my my best friend Craig, like he will bring it in. So Craig's also like very like, and Craig used to manage do super. You, do you have friends who say, um, no? But tell them what you do. Tell yes. them what you do. <laughs> so hey, Craig's. Do you know this guy? This guy's famous. Do you know that? <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I yes. promise you. I have friends like that, and mm. it embarrasses the heck out of me because <laughs> I don't like. That's this is. I'm like I'm not famous. I'm yeah, just a dude who talks on radio. <laughs> that's all. And I don't know if you get the same. Yes, I do. Craig, Craig's that person. Rush is selective over who she'll speak to and tell. Um, unless it's like I'm one of those people. I'm I'm super bubbly, super friendly, and I'll speak to you and yeah. and because yeah. I'm always trying to make a connection. So I'll try and push. Hey, what do you do? Where are you from? Yeah. Where do you, where's your mommy from? You know, I'm I'm old school like that, but it's trying to com- to make a connection. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm funny like that. But my friends, my closest friends, I don't have a, a lot of friends. Like I've got a small circle, but um, I look at stuff like that where my closest friends will come to my place and hang. Now, if I invite you to my house to hang, you, you, I consider you a bra. Yeah. You know what I mean? If because otherwise. You know, it's, there's no invite for, for sure. you to come to my house. <laughs> no, there's no, no reason for you to <laughs> like, be there. Like they say, <laughs> like they say, yeah, back uh, back then when we were the ballers pop. <laughs> 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 the ballers pop. No, you can't play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those type of things. Um, but I do, I do, um, I do like to connect with people and don't want to come across like I'm bragging. But mm. sometimes do need people to understand. Like if you ask me and I tell you, it's like. You know, this 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 is what I do. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to boast or, or be in your face about it. But you, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you. And I've got a hell of a long story. So yes. uh, sit down, grab some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this could take a while. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Okay. Um, let's go back to, I, I call it like the first superstar you met, Craig mm. David. Yeah. And talk about the advice that he gave you in terms of songwriting. So I obviously at that time I'd say obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, meeting Craig for me was like a fanboy moment because I I loved his music yeah okay and he had just dropped Born to Do It um, uh, walking away and um, oh, what's the other one now Seven Days yeah so Seven Days was first right and I was like so I used to sing the song. And people were like, "Man, you sound like Craig David." And, and I was like, "I can, I can dig it. I can, on I can." I'm doing it. You know, <laughs> took her for a drink on, on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, and I was like, "I'm, d- I'm doing this." And then I met Craig at a at a radio station um, through a friend of mine's dad, and we were just having a conversation. And and um, he had said to him that I also sing, and he was like, "Yo, like, what do you do? That's that, whatever." So I said, "No, look, I dabble in DJing a little bit." Um, and do you, do you do garage? And I was like, no, like I'm getting to know garage now, which I, I really like because I took the break beats and stuff and started my started the production side on that. But um, Craig was like, do you write? And I said, no. He says, you got to write. You got to tell stories. You have to tell people what you know because yes, singing covers are great. Mm. And it's a conversation that I have with quite a few musicians here. There's a musicians in Cape Town that refuse to play covers, but those are the same musicians that struggle with money yeah because at the end of the day dude you gotta get the bag everyone's so much getting the bag sing the covers dude i don't care no, there's a ladder that takes you there you know what i mean i don't care i'll sing covers all day every day show me the money it's okay can i pay my daughter school fees yay mm-hmm. you know what i mean can i take care of my family can i and so i'll sing the covers yeah um but some people don't and then but that was the was the switch of like you gotta die because i used to write poems and stuff but um I never wrote songs. And so from that moment on, I started writing songs and hooks and choruses and that type of stuff. I used to just walk around with a book, just writing down stuff. I lost that book um, a couple of years ago and I was gutted Mm. uh, because it had so much in it. From so long ago. You know what I mean? For for years. Uh, Feelings and stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people, I always hear musicians complain about this, but um, producers come along and then they tell you, like, 
oh, nice song, but it should be done this way, <laughs> or it should be done that way. Does that annoy you? <laughs> yes, it does. And look, it did. It did. N- n- let me go back. It did. When I first started writing, there was always people who would step in and say, ah, no, I wrote this ballad, I'll never forget. I wrote this ballad called One Tree in My Life. I loved it. It had, excuse me, strings and beautiful rainbows and butterflies and had the whole picture <laughs> of love. And it had that hazy look, you know, when you, when, you, when you heard the song, you saw it. And it was like, um, and then the producer came in and he was like, look, we can do the song live. We're not doing a ballad. The song's not a ballad. The song's going to be Skopskit and Dona. Yeah. That's what it was. And then... So um, you're thinking, okay, but the lyrics don't... Exactly. Don't reflect No, 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 no. Trust me. You have to trust me. Okay? But don't, I was upset. He said, don't get upset. Don't get upset. You're going to see. You're going to see. And it changed the whole vibe of the song. Look, we went with it. I even dropped it as a single later. Um, I mean, I had Grenville Williams on it. Um, Modessa, Goddessa, Moodface mm, 5, yeah. all of that. Um, Grenville, Grenville produced it. Lindy Pillay was also on it. Um, he did a house version of it. Uh, Lex from Super Dan did the other mix on it. Um, yeah, man. But, but we changed the whole vibe. Saying all this, as years went on, and I became one of those producers who ha- I pride myself in having an ear for how certain things should be structured. Um, I realized that, that it's okay. You have to be open also yeah. to just allow this to flow. Because sometimes, out of that, you're going to get something that's even better. Mm. Um, and But there's always an opportunity uh, at a later stage for you to, you know, play it acoustically. Yes, exactly. You know, you can and all you're doing is adding another layer to it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so people will, at some point, get to hear it, especially if it catches on. It catches on as a nice, funky pop song that people eat up mm. and they see you live and you can go, well, actually, I wrote the song like this. Yes. And then they go, whoa, you <laughs> need to release it like this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then you release both and then you're good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, th- that I definitely see that. And coming back to Cape Town, you worked with Ibrahim. Uh, yep. How was how was, how was that? Because, I mean, he's somebody who knows Cape Town. Yes. So, uh, let me uh, I c- I c- give you a bit of the back and then pushing my music in South Africa, especially in Cape Town, over the years that I've been living that I've been living abroad was very difficult. So we sent music I mean I get playlisted on, on quite a few stations abroad. But we sent the music to South Africa and it was just always never making the cut. Hmm. And I was like, man, like the people are eating it up here. They buy my albums, they support my music, they come to the concerts, they why? Is at home. Why is why is this not? Why am I having so much trouble doing this at home? Yeah. Um, and eventually, when I came back, and when we te- when I teamed up with Raj, um, I ran into Ibrahim at uh, the Breathe Sunshine conference. Um, was it Breathe Sunshine conference? No, it was a, it was something else. It was from Emil through Emil from um, Black Noise. They were doing something at a school, and he asked me to come and talk. And Ibrahim was also doing a talk. So we spoke. And this man, this is a good seven, eight years ago. And um, and I was like, yo, dude, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I want to chat to you. want to do something with you. But we just never got the chance. And I was still back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
Then about two years ago, was it about two years ago? I did, in COVID, yeah? I mm. did Africa Listen. I called Ibrahim, but he was like, meh. The year after Africa Listen, I was like, I'm going to do an album, but I'm going to do it from a producer for for Cape Town, for South Africa's mindset. Okay. And I'm going to take off my producer's hat and only rock an artist, Trollby. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I called Ibrahim and I was like, yo, dude, can we, can we chat? Yeah, yeah, sure, come through. So I went and met him and I said, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to meet. I want to hit Cape Town with my sound, but I need you to show me, to help me, to... But I want you to take this producer role on um, and we'll write it and, and do all of that. But I want to be an artist and you be the producer. So Ibrahim said, sure, let's do it. So we booked. So Denver, Diamonds, who's my guitarist and my pra, we've been writing together since prom days back then. He's always been with me. I mean, Denver's toured with me. That's how he's been in Hong Kong, Macau, Jakarta. Um, he was always part of my outfits on that side as well. And Denver came back home. So I called Denver and I was like, yo, dude, I'm going to do this writing camp and I want you to come. So I booked a spot in uh, Cape Galles. Mm. Myself, D and, I- and Ibrahim loaded everything in the car. <sighs> Down there, pride, made good food. We set up we set up everything and we chatted. And felt inspired. You know what I mean? Just liquor. So... Um, we started before we started doing the actual music, just in the conversation, and I'm, I'll never forget it. I was standing in the doorway, and Ibrahim said to me, "Are we doing this as Shaw Baby Boy Bullwin, or are you gonna do this under the new name?" And I've been playing with the idea of of changing my name for a long time. Look, um, I reverted to Islam like quite a while ago, but at I never changed my name or anything. Now, I got a Muslim name, but it was just not out there. Yeah. Um, and then we were chatting, and, and, and Ibrahim knows me as Qasim. Yeah. So then he goes, what are, we, what, are, what are you thinking? So I stood back and I said to him, King Qasim. And he looked at me and he was like, that's it. Yeah. That, that is what, that's who you are. So let's take the, the approach on this album as King Qasim which I loved, I thoroughly enjoyed. And Ibrahim brought fire. I mean, we wrote those tracks. We did five songs of the album on that on that trip. Mm. Um, and I mean, I worked on a couple of others with other writers and other producers on the album as well. Darren Peterson, um, Clay, um, myself, I did, I did like an intro or something on it, little bits. And, but the bulk of it came off that, off that, get away on that writing camp and Ibrahim was on the money with with everything Um, because he'd speak to me and he he was like yo what do you think about this this and this and I was like yeah I this is where I feel it and he'd make the beat and then we'd listen to it and then Denver would lay chords with a guitar and I just hum like little riffs and stuff like um, over it and we're like okay that's it okay let's try that and then he'd lay two or three chords, and then I'd write. Yeah. And that's and that's how that's how we did it. 
Do you ever take any of the old writing that you've done in the past and try and use that on the new uh, production? I do, I do. Uh, some of the times I do go back and go, okay, let's, let's this works there, yeah. that works there. I remember certain things. I'm like, oh, snap, I wrote the song, but I, I never did it. Actually, yeah. let's use it now. Yes. Um, so, yes, definitely that. But also, Ibrahim makes it super easy. Denver also, like, I can just call D anytime and just be like, yo, dude, I have this idea. Um, what do you think of this? And they say, leave it with me. And, like, 10, 15 minutes later, he'll shoot me a little voice note, you know, of him talking or playing something on the back mm -hmm. and just send it to me. And I'd listen. I was like, oh. Denver, he understands how I think. Yeah. Um, and that's important to work with people who, who you child with, whose energy is lacquer, and then, and then from there you get to. And Ibrahim is also just like, you know, Mark, who is my, my, my partner, my prize, like family in the UK uh, that I've worked with also for years from Alien Sound Studios in Liverpool. Um, another person who gets me like that. Yeah. For the longest time, I've been trying to get Mark to come out to South Africa to do some stuff, but we just don't get we don't get a chance. But um, but yeah, that's that's the move. So where did Chocolate Soul fit into all of this? Okay, so Chocolate Soul um, is an outfit that I did. Based see, when I was born, my mommy used to call me a chocolate boy. Uh -huh. So that that's where the name actually derived from. It was like Chocolate Boy Soul Funk. And so I took that. So Chocolate Soul was my first original outfit. So mm. Denver, myself, and Troy, and then later um, we swapped. Uh, Troy went back to the States, and I got um, Ricky, um, who's Indonesian. He's from Bandung. So then we started like an acoustic trio, sure. but but nice, soulful, soulful vibes, um, which is where I live. Um, vocally and and just in the feels, you know, that's mm. that's what I that's what I feel. Um, Chocolate Soul was that, and then later we added a drama, and we also I also had another outfit of Chocolate Soul, which was bigger, um, which is like a, a feng shui or, or, or shukru or um, that type of vibe that I also took to the Ritz Carlton in, in in Jakarta and that type of vibe. But the Chocolate Soul is actually an original um, band. Yeah, you know, I mean, we did an album where we sold. We sold, man. I made this album. Um, I did the artwork, everything. I finished it. Took it. Took it to the to the production house in Hong Kong um, to get the glass master, and and <laughs> take it to them so that they could, you know, uh, duplicate it. And we did fifteen, twelve or fifteen thousand thousand CDs that sold. Amazing. Like, like, like that. Like it, we sold it in Swade. We sold it at all our gigs. But the, they sold, um, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, especially considering CDs. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean back then, back then people were still yeah. heavy on the CDs. So, yeah. but that, that yeah, that meant well. Okay, nice. Yeah. So the name Kasim. Yes. People often call you Kasim. Yes. What so the 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 difference? Should we should we just uh, uh, so address the elephant in the room here? Yes, let's <laughs> let, let's sort it out. So in Cape Town, yes. I'm gonna say this again. In Cape Town, people go Kasim, mm. um, and that's purely based on and and how things were back then. Cape Colored number one, and then how people uh, with pronunciation back then just just went. Oh no, I'm not not struggling to say that. We'll just call you Kasim, with yeah. um, it, and they spell it C A S S I E M, Kasim. Um, whereas I'm, I'm a new 
Muslim, right? Like, I've been uh, I'm a river now for about eight years, and for me, the name I got in Bahrain, okay, from from um, from someone and and an Arab. So and an Arab called me Qasim, and I was like, hmm, say that again, Qasim, and it's spelled Q A S I M. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the difference. It's the Arabic, the way you say it, and the name is Arabic. Yeah. So if the name is Arabic, say it like it. Say it like yeah, it's yeah, supposed yeah. to. If we if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna be funny about certain things, then then, then call it what it is. Yes. If we're, we're gonna s- speak Arabic, and you're gonna say on certain on certain Arabic words, it needs to be said this way. Then say my name right. Yeah. Um. It's it's Qasim. So and the the easiest way to explain it to people or or to get you to remember is you think of a car mm. and see. <laughs> so yeah. car seam, it's it's yeah. it's simple. It's seamless. Car it's seam. seamless. <laughs> <laughs> car yeah. seam. Yeah. So that's that's the name. So would you say that the um, I would, yes. but let's hear it from your opinion. Uh, would you say that the production, the new name, the new production, the new album, everything has been a success? So oh no, definitely. I I um, dude, I'm over the moon. Like like Ibrahim and I have an and then we have an inside joke again. It gets me excited. It gets <laughs> me <laughs> so I'm super excited. I'm still I'm still buzzing off Furusakuru. Um so Furusakuru yes. um is Japanese. It, it means full circle. And my Which kind of really works well, if you think about well, it. I mean obviously thing. that's why you did it. Yes. So uh, it makes total sense. Yeah so thirty years thirty years celebrating thirty years in, in the music industry or thirty years as an artist uh, and the symbol for thirty is circle. Okay, and so that's so that's when and and yet being here you are back to your roots in Cape Town exactly and producing at home and and yeah. really touching on everything at home where the place where it all started so yeah that's but using my my knowledge and and what I've you know what I've learned and what I've gained in Asia hmm. so you'll hear that influences throughout the whole album but choosing the name in Japanese Furusakuru. And you went the wrong way around. Most people actually make it at home and then go overseas. <laughs> you decided to make it overseas and then come back home. Yeah, so uh, yeah, man. Um, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in 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 doing it your way. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> what can what can be said more than that? I mean, um, tell me about MCP. MCP is uh, the Mark Chapel project. Yes, and that's another one of my outfits. Wow, um, <laughs> that is a lot to get through. It is. You've had a busy, busy <laughs> life. I tell you what, why don't we uh, go and grab something to munch? Um, I can dig it. Okay, where are we going? Book up Dali. Okay. Definitely book up Dali. Have uh, you been? I haven't. Okay, so book up Dali is my one of my favorite spots. Uh, when I first came back to Cape Town, I was living in, in District 6. And um, man... The spot when they opened, I went there in the morning for Cassistas on a Sunday because that's what you do in Cape Town. So Cassistas on a Sunday. But then I was like, man, look at this people's menu and all of the stuff. And then I started having their breakfast and went there for lunch and then it became a spot. So I go there often with my my wife and my kids. Um, So yeah, I think we should do Book Up Daddy. Right, let's go. So we're talking about MCP, yeah? Yeah. Mark Chapel. And um, yeah, so my my full name, my birth name is Charles Mark Pullman. 
And so when I put this other outfit together, I was thinking about what kind of name. And I went, look, it needs to speak me, but not going to use Charles because Charles just didn't speak to me like mm. I'm Charles. You know <laughs> what I mean? So Mark is very like, boom, I'm Mark. Yeah. Um, and so I went, okay, I'm going to take my second name. I'm going to take C-H-A from Charles. I'm going to take P-I-L from Pullman and make it Chapel. So then I called it Mark Chapel and then I called the band the Mark Chapel Project. Um, so I would be Martin Porn. Porn. Very strong name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very strong Thank name. Thank you very much. You know, I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's and then MCP we we recorded um, an album together. It was myself, uh, Troy, and Fernando, and we, my sponsor at that time, who was like he's like my dad, uh, D. He um, sorted us out, flew us up to London. We, we stayed in Liverpool. We blocked out the studio for a month. Nice. Um, and we stayed we stayed in the UK for a month on this um, at Alien Sound Studios, which is in Bickerstaff Cliffs, Liverpool. Um, man, it was it was the best, like the best time. And then the guys flew back. Uh, Troy and Fernando flew back. I stayed behind with Mark, and we finished off the album, like the production side and, and all of those things. So, um, by the time I flew back to Hong Kong, so I had to fly back to Hong Kong to do um, a, a private party for D and and his friends and 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 those people. So I literally landed back. Um, in Hong Kong in the evening, I, I think my flight came in at six, and I was on stage um, at nine p.m. So it was mad. Like, um, but yeah, that's that's um, you know the music from Chocolate Soul to and Chocolate Soul being my mom used to call me her chocolate baby. So yeah. I I was always the, I'm the darkest one in my family. So okay. I was like the chocolate boy, the chocolate <laughs> baby, uh, baby boy. Um, so I was like, okay, always keep like little bits of myself and yeah put that into into my music so from chocolate soul to mcp mark chapel project to Shaw baby boy Pullman, um and then from that to king Carson. okay all right so let's talk about the music now okay um, like in the fields that yeah. was uh, that was a lot of people's introduction to you. Yes. Um, those who don't know the 20-year backstory. Yes. And Charles and Baby Boy and um, all the other stuff. So, In the Feels, how did that song come about? The uh, Man, the, feel, the feelings <laughs> behind In the Feels, obviously, with it being, um, you know, when we wrote it, I was, I was speaking about, about Rosh and, and, you know, how... And uh, I was speaking about Rosh and then thinking about other people, how other people would feel, like how your person makes you feel. What do you yes. feel? like? And so something that we In speak about... feels is where you left me. Is where you hit me. Is right? where you hit me. Because a go. lot of people say... Man, that hit me in the feels. Hit me straight in the feels. Yeah. It's a, it's oh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go, yeah. And in that's what I was playing with. Yeah. That's what I was playing with. So, man, that hit me in the feels. Um, and so those little things that get you in the feels... Um, is how how in the fields came about, and Ibrahim was like feeling this vibe. We he started this this little groove, and Denver started playing this lick, and instantly I heard in the fields is where you hit me because that that is the vibe, and I was like, whoo! 
I like this, you know, <laughs> where, where are we going to go with this? And, yeah. and that's how In the Fields is born, man. It's, it's, it's a feel-good pop song. Exactly. It is exactly <laughs> that. It, it, it fills in, I mean, it is that, like, it is just, it is a pop song. That's exactly what it is. And then you went from pop to more funky. Yeah, because that's me. Yes. And that, the cool thing with that, with, with doing the funk stuff, is that's where I live. Yes. You know, I'm old school in that way I mean um, what I'm, you doing to me you know I'm a yeah. James Brown um, guy I'm a I'm a Rick James if you want to um, Henry Brown H.B. Wild um, I don't know if uh, sorry to interrupt you but I don't know if uh, people were able to hear that inside the microphone yes but the um, noon guy the, there was a, a what sounded like an explosion. It's the noon gun that just went off. Uh, we're in Burkhop. Uh, we're at a place called uh, Burkhop Delhi. Uh, we've had incredible breakfast. They're Ooh. hosting us today. So if Amazing. you're wondering why there's so much background noise, that's exactly <laughs> why, why it is. And it's just gone exactly 12 o'clock, which is why the noon gun goes off here in Cape Town. So if you're unfamiliar with it, I thought I'd just Did share you know. that with people. That'd be safe. We are safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're okay. We have this every day. <laughs> okay, so uh, the funky side of you, uh, what you're doing to me. Uh, yes. James Brown, a bit of Bruno Mars in there? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I think I think Bruno, I mean, I can't tell you exactly how old Bruno is, but um, a lot of people initially used to tell me, especially with my hair being longer and, and, you know, me growing out my curls and stuff, man, you look like Bruno Mars. I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> Bruno Mars looks like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and even that vibe. Like, I think we, were, we both come from a similar school. Um, so well, when you said uh, James Brown, it's kind of exactly the, the vibe that that song does give off. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I love doing. Um, and Ibrahim, during that time, just went, dude, you need to show people who King Qasim is. Show them who you are. Because no one else is doing this. No one else is making this kind of music in South Africa. No one else is doing this type of vibe out here. Show them what you do. So that, you know, that's what I was able to then bring it across. And he was like, can you deliver this again when we get into to recording uh, final vocal? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, it's what I do. It's natural. And when we, and when we got into studio finally to do, to do the final uh, vocal mix, he was like, snap. Like, you, you did it again. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, yeah, that, what you're doing to me is really, really how I... You know where where I live. It's it's my it's my personality on stage, especially um, when I'm playing with a live band. I prefer to be with a live band, big band, so horns and big drums and you know nice big organ sounds and that's my vibe. Okay, now how do we get from there and mm -hmm. the funky sound? Mm -hmm. To the more mellow sound of Dancing on Mars. And this is actually something that you're very proud of. Uh, the, the impression that I get, at yes. least, is that you're very proud of Dancing on Mars from I what my conversations with you have been about the song. Yes. Look, Dancing on Mars, if you listen to it, the lick, the lick, the funky lick is still there. Mm. You know what I mean? You still got an undertone of like, ooh, yeah. yeah. It hits in the pocket. It's nice. It's, you know, it's not like boom, boom, boom. Mm. Um, and so after after uh, pushing something like what you doing to me it's yeah. like um, okay dial it back a little bit yes and show them that you can also be sexy mm. um, and be and be trolled um, and not push it too hard like you know you don't have to be in their faces um, but show them 
that that there's still a sexy side to funk, you know, because funk is sexy. But yeah. and and if it's not that that that, it's it's there, you know. It's it's in it's in the sound. The it's rhythm the is still there. exactly. Yeah. The, you get that funky lick. You get nice pads underneath, and and I'm talking about, you know, I mean, if I'm not if I'm not on a, a live, you know, national radio show where I can't speak frankly, or I'm a bit more help, like gotta dial down what I'm saying. Dancing on Mars is sex, man. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a sexy song. It's about and and a beautiful encounter with 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 your your person you know yes. what i mean so it takes you the elevates you from the intensity of the moment you know what i'm saying makes you feel like you're dancing on mars so and and so that's and on the night of the launch of the album we did a live so that people could listen to it you know cuz i i got a lot of people outside of south africa who listen to my music um so the live was really for them to tune in and be part of um, the launch of the album. Mm. And so they listened to it and they listened intently. Like, so um, e- even in the comments of like, dude, you took us to your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that was, that was the thing for me. Like, um, Dancing on Mars is a very, very close, very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, but I, I will tell you, I'll let you yeah. in though, my next single. Yes. The one that comes up after Dancing on Mars, um, which for me is is the single. Now, it leans more towards who who King Gossim really is, okay. but it uh, but it speaks of the journey. It okay. speaks of the journey. It speaks of who I am now. It speaks of um, my wife. It speaks of my kids. It speaks of my life, and it speaks of the. How small the world really is, um, and the track is titled "Small World." Right. So, um, and that song really was written by Brendan Adams. And you squeeze all of that into like three and a half minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and that one was done by by, by yes. Brendan Adams from Superdan, and he called me, and I, s- I said to B, I was like, "Yo, dude, like, you know, I want you to be because we always been writing together, right? Mm. B wrote quite a few songs of this album with me, and." All my, all my, all my albums, all my music, he's always been there. It's like I left South Africa um, to move to Asia. B left South Africa. I mean, Brendan's not lived here for about the same amount of time. He's um, living in Austria, and his first move was Switzerland, and he signed to a label over there, and he's doing big things. I mean, um, Rolling Stone covered a story for him. So it's like Brendan Adams is is a huge deal outside of here, and people don't know him. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yo, give. You don't understand the type of writer Brendan <laughs> Adams is. Like, if you know Super, if you know Super Dan, that was the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so B calls me, and this is like two weeks, two weeks before or three weeks before we go release, and he says to me, "I have your single," and I said, "What?" He said to me, "No, drop everything you're doing. This is your single," and he sent me a voice note. Playing the guitar and singing the song, and he said, "This is," sing- and I heard it, and I went, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> he spoke my heart. He spoke yeah. my truth in that song, and and that's the thing with friends and brothers yeah. like B. You know, like you 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 get people like him that just get you. Yeah, I mean, we got a long a long standing relationship as as brothers. You know, so um, he sent me the song, and he said, "This is how I want you to do it." So I said, "Okay." 
I'm not doing it. Ibrahim's doing it. So you got to message Ibrahim and speak to him. Yeah. And so he spoke to Ibrahim and I was waiting. So a couple of nights before I went into the studio, I said to Ibrahim, okay, what do you think? He said, I've got it. Come through. And I went through and I listened and I was like, shit, <laughs> this, this is it, you know? Um, so yeah, that for me, I mean, I love my whole album. Yeah. I love my whole album. I love everything about it. I love the truth that every single song it's so on that cool album speaks. It's so cool to hear that because some people, like, they will pick on things and they'll have regrets about yes. things that they've recorded. Yes. And it's so cool to actually hear, man, I love it. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked with, we, with where we ended up. Mm. Purusakuru for me was, was everything that, that I wanted an album to be, especially for my debut album as yes. King Carson, you know? Um, speaking about, speaking my truth, really. Um, but yeah, when, when that one drops, um, yeah, we're we getting prepped now to start shooting the video for it and everything. So I think it's going to be pretty dope. Is the video out for Dancing on Mars as well? No, because I wanted to shoot on Mars and no one wanted to fund it. Well, you needed to get there first. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> Did you know that NASA's just sending a, uh, we're sending a rocket off to Mars um, oh, now? So you were hoping to hit your eyes. Yeah, because <laughs> that I even but you need to take I a film crew I with you. I tweeted at them. They don't need to. They've got GoPros, everything. Uh. I tweeted at them. I was like, guys, please, NASA. Um, they were going to Mars via the moon. Yes. So they were going to the moon, stop over, and then. Uh, fly onto Mars, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, "This is it. This, yeah. this is the vibe." <laughs> and I just couldn't, I couldn't get it together. It was too little time, and, uh. and I wanted it to be done right. You know, music videos for me, it's, it's the story, man. Absolutely. You know, so I thought, okay, sure, I'm gonna be real um, on on the music video for for um, Small World. Yeah. When is Small World gonna be released? We sitting on it. I, whenever I say that, I look at people's faces <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I don't know. We sitting <laughs> on it. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for a possible, a possible end of October, November release. Okay, cool. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Because I mean, Just right let now, dancing I'm like, on Mars chart. And you little. know what I mean. Yeah. I'm, I really, and and that's the thing. That's a that's the thing with Ibrahim. He, he taught me really about all of these things with mm. allowing the the music to breathe, allowing it to do what the music needs to do. And, you know, I find a lot with artists and international artists as well. Sometimes yes. they'll release so many songs in a row. As a radio station, you don't really want to be playlisting too many of one artist at once. Exactly. So what you end up doing is you, you will hold off on the one and yeah. maybe swap it out later on. But, um, you know... I, I guess maybe that's why Beyonce does what she does. She yeah. lets everybody get sick to death yes. of Break My Soul before yeah. she releases something Someone new. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, I'm not saying let people get sick to death of your song, <laughs> but I'm saying like, it's nice to have that advice to let a song breathe. I yes. agree with that 100%. So that's so that's the thing. And that's why I'm, I'm not, I can't be 100% certain on when we're going to drop, um, you know, Small World, because I, I really want Dancing on Mars to make it to number one. Okay. So that's that's what I'm I'm pushing for right now. And I'd love and to see that. I hope the people you know feel the same way and they 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 just embrace the music and embrace me as an artist and and and, and you know we grow together mm -hmm. and um, I've got big plans for next year, big love plans it. for for 2023, and um, I really want the people and you like just to be a part of it. Okay, so can we find out a little bit more about uh, King Kasim in terms of personal mm. life? 
what TV shows do you like to watch? <laughs> are you a are you a Netflix man? I I am. I am a Netflix man. Um, man for the. <laughs> I'm a big movie junkie. Okay. When, when I have the time, you know. So, that's favorite movie of all time? Uh, um, that's going to be American Gangster. Really? Yes. I didn't see that one. <laughs> Dude, like, I've got, a, I've got a, a very close, you know, understanding and connection with, 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 uh, with the character. So, um, and I know, like, the hustle. You know, I understand that. So, you have to understand. I am from 12th Avenue Retreat. I'm mm. from Gavda. I... Um, did not grow up easy. I did not get given anything. Like, you know, I've got five siblings. We lived in one bedroom. You've been snowed on. You know, I've been snowed <laughs> on. Um, yeah. I've done, I've done like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, and so I, I really relate to the character. Yes. Um, like, ah, like I really relate to the character. So that, that for me is, is, is the thing. It's one why it's one of my favorites. Um, a second one of my favorites would be uh, The Last Samurai. Um, and that purely because of my, my connection to Asia and yes. Japan and, and all of those things. Like, um, I've got my, like, one piece dedicated just, to, oh just wow. to the Asian side and the Japanese side of my story. And, you know, and the other side is my life in South Africa. So That's amazing. It's, it's that type of vibe, you know, for me that, that um, yeah, that, that tells the story of who King Gossim is. And uh, a TV shows at the moment? Ooh, TV shows. Like, are you into... Oh, yeah, I tell you what like I was. series and stuff. I, I tell you what I was interested in that not a lot of people... Because I heard you mentioned Suits earlier. Yes. I mean, I was I, heavily... I, I, love, I love, like, Suits and Harvey Specter and all of that. No, I mean, heavily, heavily I was a big suits. fan. Big fan. Heavily into Suits. Especially that... Especially, the, you know, one of my favorite parts in... A lot of people are like, that's your favorite part? Like, <laughs> but when they meet, and they meet in that room in the beginning, yes. when he says, uh, look, I'm just, trying to ru- I'm just trying to get away from the cops. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, uh, it's, such a, it's such a great scene. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I became really addicted to, to Suits after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Suits, definitely one of my, my all time favorites. But I'll tell you something, I just finished, wat- finished watching, which is one of my... Favorites was Ertrol. Okay. Have you seen it? No. It's a Turkish drama, oh but right. it's based off it's based off the Ottoman Empire and okay. truth and fiction. Dude, uh. what a series! What a series! If if you have the chance, it's long. Okay. It's very long. We're talking like eighty to one hundred episodes per wow. season. It's stupid. Jeez, <laughs> it's like a, that's like a soapy. <laughs> exactly. It, yeah. It's like a soapy, but the the episodes are long, but they keep you like. Wanting more, and they've just moved on now to the n- to the next one, which is his son. Um, and I watched a little bit of it, but uh, they didn't have the main character. You know, when you kill off the, the main oh, character, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, now I'm with um, you. So that that was it. Even though the story behind it and the story behind like the whole Ottoman Empire and Islam and all of those things in Europe, you have to watch it. Okay. I promise you, if it doesn't grab you within the first, give it like three or four episodes. If it doesn't grab you in that four episodes, it's not for you. Yeah. But I, I can almost promise you, it will. what four episodes? <laughs> You'll come see me with bags under your eyes. You can't stop watching it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, something like that that I was watching. And then um, sport? Man, I'm, I'm, look at me. I'm not a big football fanatic or sporty person, but um, I'm a United supporter. That's a good, I'm <laughs> good boy. 
Good I'm boy. a United supporter, so you know <laughs> stuff like that. But um, other than that, I I um, I love ice hockey. Really? Okay. Yes, I love ice hockey. Did you know South Africa had a very good ice I hockey team? I do, and um, actually, my 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 girlfriend's uh, daughter knows somebody who, who who plays on the national team. Wow! Yeah. So yeah, like a good couple of years ago, like in the nineties, I met this guy who used to play for for South Africa. His name is Mark. Um, he was an ice hockey player, but also a magician. Oh, cool. yeah! And I met him at a gig at the Caledon Hotel. I'm talking nineties, mm. New Year's Eve gig. And I never saw him again. Like, we stayed in touch for a little bit, but, I, dude, I left. And, I mean, Mark is way older than me, and, and he yeah. was playing for our national team. But um, that ice hockey is a sport for me. Rugby is a sport for me-ish, but um, ice hockey definitely and football. Okay. Um, can we chat about your ink? You want to chat about my ink? Uh, we definitely can. Because <laughs> um, you said you got, like, um, your story, your, like, life story yes. on, on one arm. Yes. People say that when you get, like, tattoos... They forever. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> aside from that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that it can be addictive. It is very addictive. The pain is addictive. Um, can you explain uh, that to me? Because have, do you have any? No. Okay. So... Um, my first That's tattoo was... There wasn't an invitation. Uh, you should, <laughs> I should take you to a spot. I actually just met a new tattoo artist in Cape Town that is phenomenal at the Japanese at the Japanese stuff. He's the samurai. I'll give you his, his full um, details. Um, he's out in the northern suburbs, but his work is tight, dude. Um, and I'm always looking at, at, at an artist that can do, especially for me with the Asian side of things. Yeah. Because I got some pieces that I still need to finish that I never finished while I was back in Macau. Um, but, um, man, I started off in Indonesia, in Surabaya, with a very small tattoo. It's a, it's a South African flag, but in the four elements. So it's uh, earth, wind, fire, water. Okay. And, and I did the design myself. It was just a little small, small one here. And then um, after that, dude, I was just like, okay, this is too small. <laughs> like, we need more. Um, and I never realized the, uh, never realized the addiction in that sense. Uh, and then I got the the Japanese piece around it, and I was like, "Whoa, this, this looks good. This makes me feel good." And it f- it feels, man, it's a beautiful feeling when you're getting it done. It's the the perfect combination of pleasure and pain. Okay. You you know what I mean? Uh, like you know when you knock yourself and you have a blue mark. Or when you go to gym and you so worked out that you're in pain. Yes. And you push on it. Yes. It's a nice, painful, but this feels liquor. So if you can imagine... Or when you have an itch and you put it under really, really hot water. You know what you I get mean? That, that yes, that satisfaction, that how this burns, but it feels so good. Yes. That's what that is. Okay. Feel like. A little bit more, more irritating. If you think about sunburn uh-huh. and picking at sunburn... Ah. Oh. That that is the cusp of a tattoo, okay. and but it depends on the artist because it also depends how deep they go. Yeah, because some artists go really deep and some sit just above certain spots. But then there's certain places that hurt. I'm not gonna yeah, lie, absolutely. tattoos are painful. Like down here on your elbows, that hurts. Yeah, that so bone. Really, yeah, it's exactly. Bone straight straight the bone there, yeah. that hurts. Um, on my chest around here, over here, that hurts. Anything on the bone, it hurts. Um, but so good. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right. so good. Okay, wow. That the, I mean, that it was so awesome. It was, was amazing. So so cool. It was amazing. Um, gotta do this more often. Definitely. And um, we're gonna. 
hopefully go to different places, yes. chat to different people. Yep. And uh, I would like to take you along with me. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to come. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> King Kasim, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Paul. It's, Yo, been, it's awesome. been amazing. And a big shout out to a couple of people. First yes. of all, um, the guys here at uh, uh, Book Up Delhi. Brilliant. Thanks uh, to Munir, um, mm. owner at Book Up Delhi. Amazing food, yes. um, amazing people, amazing vibe. Like, mm. thank you for hosting us and, and making us feel so welcome here. Indeed. In in, in book up, it, it's uh, you're really amazing. Thank you. And then also, uh, Tom's Tom's Music Heritage Square in, in Beitenkracht, Beitenkracht Street. Beitenkracht. <laughs> Thank you very much, and and uh, everybody else for for being part of the podcast today. Lekker, lekker. Thanks, Paul.